You are listening to It's a Black and White Thing with your hosts, A Ward and A One. This episode is split into two parts. This is Side A. Welcome to the show that doesn't have anything really witty to say. Actually, you know what? I do have something witty to say. Welcome to the show that is wondering, did we ever find Trey Mason? Um, like, seriously, did we ever find him? Trey Mason. Trey Mason, uh, Trey former Auburn running back, Mason. played with the uh, Rams. Him and Monte Ball are probably, I don't know, man. Did you? No, but you hear about the story? No, oh no, you mean for real? Yeah, for real. Oh, he so went missing. Trey Mason. I just thought because he's not in the league anymore. No, 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 no. 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 Well, what a way to Trey open the Mason, show. <laughs> Trey Mason. Like, really? Did we ever find Trey Mason? Trey Mason. Uh, Jeff Fisher reported that the team hadn't heard from him in seven months. Wow. Uh, he had gotten arrested. There was something his mom was like afraid for him. He was talking about like I think some conspiracy theory stuff. But yeah, like Trey Mason went missing, and I and it was just kind of like the Rams were like, well, we did all we could. That is an amazing way to start the broadcast. <laughs> What's up, y'all? <laughs> yeah, so uh, welcome to another episode um, of It's a Black and White Thing. I don't, even know if, I don't even know if I went good morning, good afternoon. You didn't. Good That's what I kind of threw me off is like, boom. Yeah, well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Again, you know, this, is a, this, is, uh, this isn't, you know, one of those studio shows where everything has to be polished. You know, we're real live people here. Right. You know, and we start the show off the way we want because it's ours. It's exactly. Ours. But anyway, actually, say something. Actually, you know what? I need to fix that. Welcome to Amped Records presents. It's a black and white thing. I nice. That's a very it. nice yeah, touch yeah. to it. I, it has a ring to it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you can listen to the show. Actually, again, 2016. Although we are the the show for the people, we are the people's podcast. Um, we are still we we're trying to upgrade things so the soundcloud page has changed so you can listen to every episode all 17 episodes of it's a black and white thing at soundcloud.com slash brains and bars i updated it so it's no longer my former stage name so it was so hard to say that too every single time a one yeah i had had to spell it out yeah yeah yeah. i didn't want to tell you but man (laughs) no i'm just kidding but uh yeah so soundcloud.com slash backslash brains and bars um the twitter page same thing at brains and bars facebook if you haven't liked this already thank you to the what two three hundred i haven't paid attention to what that number is but thank you to everyone who has liked the page yes if you have not go to facebook.com go to the search field type in at brains and bars you'll see the logo a green background it says it's a black and white thing click that select that share that tell a friend to tell a friend it's them again Mm -hmm. um we're normally in the mmp studios but we are not in the mmp studios tonight we are at Amped Records East Studio, the homie B. Harris. Again, this is a this is a, this show is not only about us, but it's about our homies and our homies give us refuge from time to time when we need it. So shout out to him. Shout out to Ricky, who's in the studio audience. Yes, sir. Um, who may or may not have a voice in, in this show tonight. We're going to find out here if he's going to have a voice in the show. I don't know. As um, long as he can keep the language. Oh yes, this is a family show. This is a family show. This is a family show. So you know, people listen. To, well, the reason I say good morning, good afternoon, or good evening because I don't know when you guys watch this True. or listen to this podcast. You could be Happy. on your way to work. Yeah. You got the kiddos. You about to drop them off, and we can't have no no f bombs, right. No curse words in here. Exactly. You know, a little little kids asking, "Hey, mommy, what is what did you just say? finish like your cinnamon toast crunch, and then boom, you yeah, know? yeah. That's the last thing we need. And let me tell you something because I have a young child right now. Um. 
like who's repeating everything you say like watching <laughs> watching your language is uh is is a is a really serious thing so um so yeah so also um i do a radio show uh with the gentleman named mr marvin on praise 95.3 fm it's called the sports disciples disciples if you're in the kansas city area please check us out every wednesday and saturday evening from 6:45 to 7:15 p.m. go and like that page as well i'm glad to have you there and uh, yeah, so that's it. As always, I'm joined by the good homie A Ward. What's good? What's good? Good, 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 y'all. Um, you can find me www.imaward.com. Hyperlinks to all my social media. You can find a YouTube, the battles um, for you all that might have just tuning in because I anticipate we will have a few new listeners due to the excess amount of likes and momentum that our fan page has gotten in this last week. If you're just tuning in, I am a battle rapper. I go by the name of A. Ward, a.k.a. Hollywood, a.k.a. International Ward, a.k.a. Boney But Bout It, a.k.a. <laughs> that one white dude. Yeah, just just tons of them. So, anyways, but, um, <laughs> yeah, you can hit me up on imaward.com and find all the hyperlinks. But it's great to be here. Great to have another episode, and it's great to celebrate the signing to Amped Records, the podcast signing to Amped Records. Shout out to Amp, Reese, B, Madge, Jamie, all of the crew, Donnie, Donnie. appreciate yep. all y'all, man. Yep, yep, yep. So happy to be uh, with Amp Records. Um, they are going to help us, uh, you know, push this podcast and, and take it to the next level. So we're definitely glad for the partnership. Um, you know, one of the big things was that we get to be the uh, kind of boss, if you will. Uh, we, we don't. It's not like a corporate takeover where they just go. So now we want you to polish your show up, and you want you every half hour. We have to remind people that you're listening to. No, no, right, no. right, right, um, right. You know, it's it's a it's something that helped push us into. Uh, Reese, shout out to Reese, who is the CEO. He's a fan of the show. Listens. He's been on the show. Um, and so uh, yeah, he's just want to help us push this thing and take it to the next level. So we're definitely glad to have that partnership. Um, we got a great show for you this week. Um, and it's going to begin as it does. With most things, uh, it's by what I learned this week. Um, and I got a couple of things. I had something down on the itinerary, but I'm going to change it. Um, so one of the things that I learned this week is that I love uh, the Twitter live streaming. So I'm in school uh, on Thursday nights when the NFL has its Thursday night games. I wish they would stop having Thursday night games, but that's Definitely for another happen. topic, another time and place. Um, but – the Twitter has a deal with the NFL to stream 10 of its games, uh, Thursday night games. I'm actually sad because tomorrow tomorrow night's game is not on the docket hmm. to be live streamed. Uh, I believe they come back in week five. Um, and I love it because, again, I'm in class. I'm taking a cinema critique class. So I get to watch movies. Um, oh, that's pretty nice. From various uh, genres and various decades. And, you know, I've watched a movie from 19... 19- 46, I think. Wow. 46, something like that. So so while I get to watch these movies, I kind of, you know, um, turn my brightness down on my phone. <laughs> I pull up the Twitter stream of the game, and it has been crisp. It's been really good. Like, it hasn't been laggy and, and you know, kind of fuzzy and, and crapping out on us. Like, it has been a really good stream. Um, sometimes I see some things that I found to be funny. Um, when you like, get older like us, a really good stream is important. <laughs> And there's where the bars <laughs> comes in. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, um, that, you know, again, it's really important to have that, that good feed. And it's been really good. And I hope – I think that Twitter has done this on a couple of different levels. I think they did it for Wimbledon. Hmm. Um, so it's a new platform that Twitter is trying to push and get out there. And I enjoy it, man. I hope that Twitter continues to kind of push 
and push this out for other sports. I hope the NBA uh, comes to an agreement with this because they have – I don't know if you know this, but they're going to have a Monday night basketball. Really? Yeah, yeah. So once the football season is over, okay, um, they're going to have Monday night basketball games. Huh. Uh, I believe on ESPN. So um, hopefully that is, you know, that's something that they continue to push in the market and get out there because it's a, I think there were about 200,000 on average users of the Twitter live stream. Hmm. Uh, I think people were kind of disappointed that it wasn't more. And I'm like, well, most people are going to be at a bar, right. at their homes watching. They won't need a live stream. So, but I enjoyed it and hopefully they'll push it out for a 16 team season. Um, and I'm going to mention Twitter one more time. The other thing that I learned this week um, is. I'm never – so I'm a North Carolina Tar Heels basketball fan. Wah, wah, yeah, wah. and um, as you know, they made it to the national championship game, but they lost in heartbreaking fashion at the buzzer. Uh, one of the most dramatic finishes to a championship game yeah. that I've ever seen. Um, if you – what you, most people would not remember is Marcus Page hitting that circus three-pointer to tie the game up, which I just knew it was going to overtime. It had um, to. And I knew I felt I'm like if it goes to overtime, it's over. Carolinas, they're going to win. Um, like that same feeling you had when Chalmers three goes in, and you're like, okay, Memphis is done. When KU and Memphis play, and so yeah. I had that same feeling when Marcus Page hit the shot too. I'm yeah. Just like ah. Oh. Well, there was a meme that uh, was posted about um, with Roy Williams. This think after they clinched the ACC regular season title. And he he's doing like this little jig, and the fa- the the team is waiting for him to come in, and they're whooping and hollering, they're all excited, or whatever. And the meme was like, when that last cousin shows up to the family cookout, oh, right? Yeah. That you've been waiting on, right? And this is kind of like the celebration, and it's just like it immediately takes me back to that game and to that moment. And again, I wasn't like heartbroken in the fact that that they lost. It was just the fact that they didn't complete this journey. It's one of my favorite teams ever because of the journeys of. Marcus Page and and Bryce Johnson in particular, and it's just like man, I'm never going to get over that. Like that that loss, obviously, it's going to be in the NCAA montage forever. Yeah, I agree. Uh, kind of with Tyus Edney's shot against Mizzou and so on and so forth. So heartbreaking. So uh, that's what I've learned this week. Um, so you know, uh, hit us up. You know what what have you learned this week? Want to hear from you guys? Uh, so go to at Brands and Bars on Twitter. Uh, go to the fan page. Let us know what did you learn over this past week or whatever you learned in this week um, that you would like to share. And maybe we will uh, we'll, we'll shout you out if you uh, have something interesting. So. Please do. Uh, yeah, so up next, uh, A-Ward, what are you looking forward to? What am I looking forward to this week? I started to think about what I was looking forward to this week and immediately realized that basically everything I'm looking forward to this week is covered in the rest of this broadcast. Um, <laughs> so very well put together. <laughs> um, but some of the stuff that I think that uh, we're not going to go into too much detail um, throughout the rest of this show would be um, the Cardinals and Tigers, um, National League and um, American League. Each of them, I think, are a half a game or a game behind in the playoff race. Um, so I'm going to be paying close attention. I think the Tigers were possibly up when I left um, Ugly Joes to come out here. But I'm, I'm kind of uh, curious to see how that turns out, to see if the Cardinals end up sliding in because the Cardinals are like that New York Giants of football. You know, you, you sl- they slide in the playoffs. Regardless of the seed, they have, you know, the ability to win it all. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see that. Also, I'm excited for NBA preseason. Uh, which people are just rarely ever excited for, which I don't I don't blame you. But um, I think Golden State plays Toronto this week. 
so we will get to see um, Curry and Durant and and all of the guys on the same team. So that's going to be pretty cool. And then um, King of the Dot has three battles dropping this week. So if you're not familiar with King of the Dot, it is a battle rap league in which I battle on three very quality battles uh, dropping this week. Sharon versus Bonnie Godiva, guy versus girl, obviously. Peanut Shoddy P and Caveman with Brown and Lil G. So I'm looking forward to those very high-quality battles. And last but not least, will Rob Gronkowski continue to be the <laughs> fantasy football <laughs> bum that he has been on my roster this year? Um, I, don't, I don't think that's harsh. He's been hurt. So he can't be a bum if he's been hurt. He's still a bum because he doesn't know if he wants to play or if he doesn't want to play. Then they put him on a play count. Then I bench Kyle Rudolph and put him in this last week, and he got zero touches and played ten plays. He's bum. He's a bum. Well, he they try. It's just that Jacoby uh, Brissett, Brissett was not very accurate on on any of those fade routes. I think he threw maybe it one was a horrible one fade, fade route, route, and then the rest of them <laughs> were to uh to Martellus, and they were yes. not accurate at they all. They did an end around to Martellus. <laughs> they ran like a jet sweep end around type play to Martellus Bennett. <laughs> I was like, really? And we're gonna talk about Bill Belichick in a, in a, in a second in yes. a little bit. So so that's my uh, looking forward to this week. Other than obviously the huge college football um, that we got going on and, of course, WNBA that's going on right now. So, Ooh, you know what? Matter of fact, because we're recording this on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, that reminds me the semifinals begin tonight. And oh, I yeah. believe uh, that is a good segue because that is – this begins our five good minutes of WNBA coverage. Hold on. What are you playing over there? Yeah, what are you playing over there? Is that Assassin's Creed? What is Overwatch? So sorry, we. I'm just like. So our producer is like he he started us off and he's playing a video game and so we're like now we're. I'm not gonna say distracted, but I'm curious. What so is Overwatch? What is Overwatch? Real quick, Overwatch is what. Okay, so for all the people who probably play Overwatch and know what it is, who are yelling at the at the podcast right now, Overwatch is a first person shooter. I might have to check that out because I'm trying to find more games to play other than sports games. <laughs> but I digress. So, five good minutes of WNBA coverage. Um, So, the semifinals begin tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, the Phoenix – I said Phoenix Sun. That you said it last week. <laughs> but you you corrected yourself last week after Phoenix Sun, too. But on the podcast last week, you said Phoenix Sun as well. Wow. So, yeah. I have this on the notes as Phoenix Sun. The Phoenix Mercury mm-hmm. – um, taking on the Minnesota Lynx, the, the Mercury are the eighth seed. Lynx are the number one overall seed um, in their new revamped playoff format. And this is this marks the fourth consecutive time that the Mercury and the Lynx, like I'm really going to have to fight this now, <laughs> that the Mercury and the Lynx are, are facing head up in the playoff series. The Lynx are up two games to one in that four-game, four-year consecutive tilt. Um, I did not know this, that Diana Taurasi and Maya Moore are both chasing their fourth title um, the Mercury, last time I, I, I really got into w, the WNBA, the Mercury were the tops in the league. They had just gotten Griner, uh, Dewana Bonner, um, not Elena Beard. I can see her face. Candace Dupree, Diana Taurasi, they were smoking the rest of the league. And they were the AC this year. They really fell off um, from their, their title, uh, from being that title contender that they were a couple of years ago. The Lynx, one of the best teams in the league with uh, Sylvia Fowler, 
Um, Maya Moore, who's obviously a beast. So that bears watching. Right now, into three, they're up 18. The links are up on the uh, Mercury in, in, in the best of, I believe it's best of five. Yep, best of five. That's crazy that Maya Moore is searching for after her fourth title. So, I mean, does that mean she's won three straight? Or no, I don't think won they've three won three four. straight because uh, the Mercury are two years removed from a championship. Okay. Um, Man, she's so been in the league five years. Yeah, yeah, at least at least five years. Wow. Hold on one second. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, I'm man. I'm on a Google WNBA champions. Um, also, in the nightcap, the Chicago Sky are taking on the L.A. Sparks, um, and that should be an interesting game, in part because Elena Deladon, if you follow the WNBA, one of the best players in the league, an absolute beast, um, is out. She had thumb surgery on September 12th. Um, her status is still kind of up in the air, whether or not she'll be able to participate in this series. Um, but they have, you know, they have some really good players. Cappy Pondexter. Um, Rutgers, f- right? Yeah, former Rutgers star. Um, Courtney Vandersloot. Um, some really good players. But then on the other side, uh, the Sparks have the reign, the, the newly crowned MVP, and I'm going to make sure I say this right, Neka Ogumke. Ogwamake, <laughs> Ogwamake. I, I actually was looking it up and like, how do you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it? Because I've been avoiding saying her name all season, um, so I wouldn't have to say her last name because I w- I don't want to butcher it. Uh, but it's Neka Ogwamake. Um, she is, I believe, a twin. Her sister plays, I think, in San Antonio. Hmm. Not sure, but they're both went to Stanford. Um, but she is the crown, the MVP. Obviously, they have Candace Parker, and they have two. We talk about. Normally, when I talk about Marcus Peters, I say he's a dog because of his defensive skills and prowess. Right. Um, they have two dogs on defense, Elena Beard. Um, and I know Awards kind of scrunches his face up. Yeah, like, it's just something about calling women a dog. Well, I mean, I'm speaking of their – but I think – I understand that. But I think I when we think talk about like – I really thought that went over too no, much. No, 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 no. No, let's, let's – Because let's, her name's Elena Beard. And so now it's just – yeah. So – we talk about how when we when we well at least I do I can speak for myself in this that when we talk about women or when I read when we talk about women and equality and we want to think of them as you know on the same level playing field as men obviously I understand that so you're basically just saying she's a female dog chill chill bro. I mean chill. I'm just trying to I'm what I'm saying is is that defensively they get after it. And if I can talk about Marcus Peters and call him a dog and that be okay, then I feel that I should be able to talk about these women because they do get after defensively, especially Christy Tolliver, mm-hmm. um, who was kind of a do-it-all guard for them as well. So they're going to make life for Cappy and Courtney very hard. And if they don't have Elena, I don't see how they compete. Um, I mean, obviously in a one-off situation, anything can happen. But now in the best of five against one of the top teams in the league, and they have, again, these women who get after it who are, yes, they are defensively, they're dogs. Like, they, they get <laughs> after you. They're on your butt. Like, and to me, I love, as a basketball fan, I love defense. I love seeing teams get after you, be them dogs on defense. So, yes. So, yes, they're going to be dogged and determined. You see what I did there? Um, and get after them defensively. And I think that the Lynx will um, will emerge victorious in that series. That reminds me. Wait, you Lynx, went back to the other series. The Sparks. The Sparks. Yeah, that Sparks. reminds me. I got to talk to you because I'm working on a – for a nonprofit that has to do with a – Skylar um, Diggins? 
No. Oh, well. I said nonprofit. Well, <laughs> I was just thinking. <laughs> no, I have nothing for scholar. For scholar, scholar is off the market. Okay. But I'm working on something uh, for a nonprofit that is a it's a grooming KC. So we'll talk about that later. We'll talk okay, about that cool. off the air. Because I, I need to come up with a witty hashtag. Well, if you're listening to this right now and you're just enjoying the five good minutes of WNBA and you have another animal or another term that you think ah, sounds ah, better ah, ah, than calling women a dog, no. just go ahead and post it on our, our page at Brains and Bars um, if it's going to be like a lioness or a – No, see, but that's the thing. Like, like that's the whole point is like when we talk – one of the things that I hear um, women who are in sports when they talk about this thing is that they don't want – things to be branded for women like they want to be treated as they want to be talked about more so in the manner that which you would talk about a guy which hmm. is why i didn't have the problem bringing up saying that they that they were dogs defensively because that's how we talk about marcus peters we talk about marcus peters when marcus peters made plays on sunday what do, what do we in our group what do we say we say he's a dog exactly yeah we go dog like we don't we don't say anything else we could we go marcus peters dot 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 Dog. dog yeah right so yeah you're right so that's what i'm saying so in in the interest of pushing equality and being fair like i don't want to talk about them like they are lionesses you know <laughs> they are they're <laughs> the great example of the um, i didn't think that one all the way through either um, but i'm trying to think i don't i don't know and honestly to be honest i didn't have another way to describe their defensive prowess and the defensive skills yeah that's when i think of someone who gets out there defensively it's a dog, dog yeah is what comes to mind regardless cool. of gender like that's just what it is wow well, but but you know what? To echo a war, yeah. If there's another way, if someone out there who watches the WNBA or who watches women's sports in general would like for me to come up with a better way of describing that, I am open to uh, to being corrected or, or or to a better way. I don't well, think there's anything wrong with that. Speaking of WNBA and speaking of Sylvia Fowles, the former LSU I said, I said Fowler, yeah, the former LSU Tiger. Um, I think that's probably a good segue into what we want to kind of get to next in regards to that university as far as college football is concerned. Yep, so yep, yep. Um, LSU firing less miles after its loss to Auburn on Saturday. Man. Wow. End of an era. That that made me sad. The no more awkwardly hand clapping. No, no more, more grass chewing eating. on the grass. Yeah, man. Like, no more crazy mad hatter. No more Overrated defensive lineman picked by the Chiefs in the first round. Uh, yeah. well, I don't. I mean, I don't you know what? There probably will be more of that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so they they did fire less miles. Um, in what was kind of called the loser leaves town match. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I actually wrote that as well. <laughs> Gus Malzahn is on a little bit of a hot seat himself. Like he's not out of the. He's. I guess he's. He's on the warmer right now. Maybe he's not in the hot seat, but he's on the warmer. In the crock pot, if you will. The crock pot. <laughs> um, so he was Les Miles was let go at the end of an era. And honestly to me, I felt like he was let go because he just didn't adjust offensively. Yeah. Uh to the times. Um his offensive systems were uh antiquated, I guess at best is what I'm thinking about. I feel like Les always had that big ten mentality of we're gonna pound the ball, then we're gonna go play action try to hit some deep stuff with some of these athletic and big wide receivers mm -hmm. versus trying to spread you out um, maybe three wide more three wide receiver sets and trying to use Leonard Fournette, get him out on the edge and use his speed and his power. And, and it's and like I said, it's sad, but, you know, they just didn't maximize the talent they had. And, I mean, and since they made the national championship game in 2011, like they haven't been very good. Yeah. Yeah, I hope um, 
Uh, I mean, he's such a successful college football coach, and that's the tough thing is, you know, I remember when Philip Fulmer got kind of ushered out at Tennessee um, after just a few years of just just not, you know, like you said, adapting or, or um, evolving with what college football was doing. And you hate to see somebody with such a high winning percentage, such a high bowl game. I mean, you know, um, his I think he probably led the SEC in win percentage since he'd been there. But you, you hate to see it, but he didn't. I mean, the fact of the matter is Alabama is making him look really, really bad because LSU has very average quarterbacks that don't get drafted, and they're known to have the defensive linemen, the offensive linemen, the receivers, the skill players other than quarterback in the trenches. But Alabama is doing the same thing except winning national titles with average quarterbacks. Yeah. So basically, he's not Nick Saban, you know. Period, and yeah. that's what he is being compared to. And Nick Saban is just continuing to beat him into the ground over the last four years. So something you alluded to, and I, I kind of like that comparison. You mentioned Phil Fulmer, mm-hmm. uh, former Tennessee volunteer coach, and then after they fired him, they kind of went through the string of was it Derek Dooley or was it yeah, or Lane actually Kiffin. was Lane Kiffin, then yep. Derek Dooley, and yep. now Butch Jones, right? right? Um, was that the reason? Was it because Phil? I thought it was more that it was the talent wasn't there anymore as well, or was it, was it a little bit there. of both? I think it was getting there uh, recruiting class wise as well, um, which was wild because in two thousand seven we went to the um, the SEC championship. Now we lost to LSU that year in the SEC championship, but we were preseason number I think three that year. Mm-hmm. Um, we started out the year, you know, and there's high hopes there. You know, your high hopes again. Now, the one difference that Tennessee made is, like, granted, they let Phil Fulmer finish the year. He made it to the SEC championship. We lost, of course. And, you know, then he went through the next year, and we had the 5-7 and seven season, I think it was. But, yeah, like you said, the talent level was going downhill. I don't necessarily think that's the problem at LSU. Nah. Um, nah. I don't know. You know, uh, obviously, it's it's been noted that he ran uh, John Chavis out of town um, with, you know, some of the ways that he wanted to do things, and John Chavis was pretty highly regarded around the SEC as a defensive coordinator to the point that he went to Texas A&M. So I think that he had just been not making the right moves in a lot of different aspects of coaching over the last year and a half. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, okay, so that that's a good com- uh, combina- uh, comparison, I should say. Um, and for Notre Dame, you might want to place a couple of phone calls to Dave Aranda, who is the defensive coordinator for uh, – for LSU right now, just uh, <laughs> just a quick heads up. So, um, but speaking of talent, you did mention that with Les. Les, that has been my one criticism of Les Miles is that he's had the talent. Yeah. Uh, I kind of did a little bit of research on this. So since 2012, the year after they made it to the national championship game against Alabama and got beaten, um, he's had 32 players drafted, um, five first rounders, although none since 2014. I'll ask you. Do you know the last first rounder from LSU? Tyson Jackson. No, that's like 2009. Really? Yeah, Tyson Jackson's been around since about at least 2009, 2010. Oh, man. Okay. Um, Defense or offense? The only hint is I'll give you it's offense. 2014, there are people who are screaming at their radio right now. Odell Beckham Jr. There you go. There Odell we go. Beckham. No. And <laughs> My only, bad. The <laughs> only reason I bring that up is because I don't get a lot right when it comes to sports sometimes, but – I was right about Odell Beckham. I said before the draft, I was on record. I'm pretty sure if I go search my Twitter, 
I'll find it. I was on Odell Beckham being really, really good. You were because I was right about Jordan Matthews <laughs> being really, 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 really good. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, he's got some drops issues, but you are right. You were. He's you not say. Beckham, obviously. You know, right. But but I I remember specifically saying there's this kid out of Vanderbilt. Pay attention to him. Yep. 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 And I was right. Tyson Jackson, third overall pick, two thousand nine. Wow. Gosh, I'm getting old, man. Yeah. And so when Dorsey would have been what? The next year, I think. Oh, Dorsey was after Jackson? Or either the year before. It's either the year before. I think it was the year before. Okay. Was it because I think Tyson came the year after because that's when they were making that habit of drafting. Yeah. Uh, wow. LSU, LSU defensive players. It's been a while, man. Oh, let me see. Let's see. Glenn Dorsey. Hold on. He's with the Niners right now. 2008. Eight. So yep. eight, nine. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, so, you know, again, to get back to kind of the stats on Les, um, five first-rounders, none since 2014, 18 players in the first three rounds. So, you normally think of the first three rounds of guys who are going to contribute anything fourth and, you know, fourth through seven. Yeah, if you get something in fourth, that's you've done well, but then five through seven are just kind of crapshoots. Right. Um, in the week two of the NFL, so just doing a Google search on this, I found a site that tracked LSU Tigers hmm. in the NFL. In week two of the NFL, 31 LSU players were on an NFL roster. 13 started. Uh, 10 played, at least got in the game, and then the rest were either inactive or, or on IR. So this is all since 2012. Mm -hmm. So he's had the talent and to be going 8-5, 9-4. Um, like At that level, especially, like you said, with Alabama in your conference, in your division, right. um, and just flat-out beating you. Um, year after year, like it's it's not it was unacceptable for for LSU standards. Although I wish they would have just went ahead and fired him last year. Yeah, they definitely should have just got rid of him last yeah, year. Yeah, especially poor if you're just, timing. Yeah, if you're going to get rid of him now, although I'm pretty sure Tom Herman's phone is blowing up right now um, with people who are saying, "Hey, hey, hey, big head, what you doing?" Right, um, right. <laughs> like, what's good? Um, so, but and just kind of doing a quick search on Les Miles to kind of conclude the LSU part of it. Uh, there were, I went to SB Nation. They had 20 names wow. of people who could potentially replace him. Art Bryles keeps popping up in yeah. this list, and I'm just like, why? Really? Like, like you are, really? he is, <laughs> yeah, he is toxic right now. You can't hire you him. You cannot hire Art Bryles um, right now. So I don't understand why why people in journal, in sports media keep propping him up as a guy to, you know, I've seen him because it's pretty much alleged that Tom Herman is going to leave mm -hmm. Houston. I've heard, well, hey, they can just bring back Art Bryles. I'm like, this isn't Bobby Petrino, right? Right. Like, this isn't one of those where there was some issue, you know, of moral failure. I'm just trying to use an overused Christian term. <laughs> uh, and Bobby Petrino gets to go back to Louisville after leaving Western Kentucky. Uh, no. But Tom, Tom Herman's the big name. I saw Mark D'Antonio. Um, but there were a couple of names that interested me on that list that I want to bring up. Uh, the first one. Let me get back to my notes here. Lane Kiffin. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Lane Kiffin. Now, Lane Kiffin is one of those guys who I'm trying to think what's the Lane Kiffin is the guy the, that stumbles upon better jobs, right? Well, yeah, he's always kind of failed upward somehow, but he is the Romeo Cornell of coaches in that I feel like or I you know what? Wade Phillips. I'll say he's one of he's the Wade Phillips to me. Wade Phillips is the godfather of 
coaches who make great coordinators but should not be head coaches. Right. And I think Lane Kiffin falls in that category of someone who is a really smart and great offensive mind but who should not be a head coach. I just don't – his time with the Raiders, his time with Tennessee, I don't see anything uh, – I've not seen anything that should make that says to me he should be a head coach. Um, the other – another interesting name is Cliff Kingsbury. I like Cliff Kingsbury a lot. So the thing with Cliff Kingsbury is obviously he's a great offensive mind, but defensively his teams are horrible. Right. Um, and so if he can get to the SEC and he can get – if they can somehow retain Dave Aranda, um, if they can get someone on the caliber of a John Chavis to head the defensive side and he can bring that spread to the SEC, which to be honest, Saban has struggled with guys with those – dual threat mobile guys who can throw and run. Right. Um, that would be interesting. The name that I am most, most interested in, though, is Jeff Brom. Uh, Jeff Brom is former Louisville um, QB. He was a star at Louisville. Didn't work out in the league. He was uh, coached by Bobby Petrino when Bobby Petrino went. I think he was on his staff while he was at Louisville the first time when he popped up at Western Kentucky he went to Western Kentucky with him, and when he left, he became the head coach. Had a high-scoring offense last year. Um, I think his name is Brandon Dowdy. He's in the league somewhere. Yeah. Um, was a part of that group, and he still has a really good team at Western Kentucky this year. Wide-open offense. I don't know if that may be too big a leap. He might need to make a jump from, like, maybe Houston Yeah. before he gets that major league call-up. He just lost to Vanderbilt last week. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it's still it's still Western Kentucky. True. I mean, it is still Western Kentucky, but they did lose to Vanderbilt in overtime last week. What, so. They only lost by 28 to Bama, though. That's true. Yeah, That's so true. it's not bad. And I think they were, like, 30-something. 30? No, they were 28. Oh, okay. They were 28-and-a-half point underdogs, and I think about it, so. Hey, they covered, you know, for entertainment purposes, <laughs> purposes only. Um, but that's a name that I, that I found to be most interesting of that list of 20. Um, so Jeff Brom is a name to watch to move up to a lower American conference or Power Five. But, but yeah, but so you can go and check that out. Yeah, what um, I noticed on that big list was that there was actually a lot of names of coaches who have very big football games this weekend. Really? So, like, I saw David Shaw, Chris Peterson – I saw um, Petrino on there. I saw um, – uh, I even think I saw Dabo Sweeney on, Dabo, on that list. Dabo was on that list. And I thought to myself, like, what a weekend to start polishing your resume <laughs> if you are a coach like um, a, t- a, a team – you know, I remember Brett Bielema when he left Wisconsin for Arkansas. You're like, really? Like, yeah. you know, like yeah. if you're a Pac-12 coach out there at Washington, Stanford or something, and you're, you know, like what a weekend to polish, you know, polish that up and say, hey, let's go out here and, you know, get this W so that I can be coaching at LSU next year. Well, you know what? The thing is, though, I don't – I'm not sure LSU needs a flashy coach. I'm not sure they need a big hire. They just need someone who can – because the, the air, Louisiana is fertile ground. Um, there's the recruiting base. You got New Orleans. You got Baton Rouge. Right. You got some of those smaller areas. Shreveport. Shreveport, Monroe, Ruston, right? You have all those smaller cities. You have Houston, which is about a four- to five-hour drive. You have a bunch of displaced kids from New Orleans in Houston after Katrina. Um, you have kind of like this fertile area, and I'm not sure you necessarily need, 
you know, a Dabo Sweeney or hmm. David Shaw, which I, if you're David Shaw, I don't understand why you would ever leave. Yeah. <laughs> a Dabo, I don't understand why you would ever leave. You have it made at Clemson um, as long as you are contending for at least ACC championships. Right. Like you're good. But, you know, I think if they can go and get – Chris Peterson is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not – I mean, and is he on the list of things to talk about? He is on the list of things to talk about, one, his team. Um, but I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, if they can get Tom Herman, great. But if they can find, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, again, someone who can recruit who can recruit that area um, and they can, who can retain a really good defensive coordinator, they'll be straight. Because what they're going to need to do is show improvement on offense. I mean – that's it. I mean, they have the defensive talent. Like, they have yeah. NFL. Even on this squad, there's NFL talent. Right. Yep. So, moving on, moving on, we have uh, – I want to go back into Tennessee. Um, they took on Florida this weekend, One of, in the beginning of what I've called the biggest stretch of games of the Butch Jones era. Definitely. Um, they took on Florida. Um, and I'm just going to cede the floor. I'm just going to turn it over to you. To talk about that game and what's coming up next week. Yeah, so um, if you guys didn't didn't know, um, starting at about two thirty Central Time um, Saturday, Tennessee Volunteers took the field against the Florida Gators in what was probably one of the biggest games in Tennessee um, in recent memory of, of Tennessee football. Um, the East on the line. The 11-year streak that Florida had over Tennessee. We haven't beat them since 2004. All of the trash talk the whole week with Tease Tabor and Quincy um, basically answering questions to the media. The media asks, are they going to beat Tennessee? I think it was Quincy that responded, can a duck pull a truck? And they responded, like, what? And he said, can a duck pull a truck? Have you ever seen a duck pull a truck? And the obvious answer is, no, you've never seen a duck pull a truck. And he said, well... Tennessee doesn't beat Florida. Um, so <laughs> that's basically what he said this week, um, which in retrospect is very humorous now um, Now that the game is over. Um, but Tennessee came out completely – I wouldn't say completely flat. Tennessee came out and shot themselves in the foot over and over and over with five drop passes in the first half, um, having the ball three times within the 10-yard line of Florida and only coming away with three points. Um but I did want to read a few names off of this list that I have from the Black and White Thing page. We we have posted um, we have posted a thing about um, predictions as far as um, the game was concerned, and I'm just going to read a few names: Ryan Baker, Jesse Abbey, and Ricky Moore. You guys are the ones that said, and I quote: "27-24, Florida." Gators and Florida's going to show how Tennessee is the most overrated team in the SEC. So shout out to y'all because the real Tennessee Volunteers showed up at halftime. Um, Butch Jones went in there and gave them uh, what I can only assume to be the same speech that Florida State was given at halftime of the Ole Miss game. And we came out. Florida had 12 yards, I think, of total offense in the third quarter, maybe 96 in the fourth quarter had maybe two first downs, and Tennessee scored 38 straight points um, to win the game 38-28. Well, it was just um, a tale of two halves. I can guarantee you that in the most Christian manner, I was ready to fire everybody on the team in the first half. In the second half, I refused to believe that we won until about two minutes to go in a game up 17. Um, so it was emotionally a disaster for me. So before before you move on, just, just to give you a little bit of perspective here, 
2004, the last time Tennessee right. beat Florida. Here's what happened in 2004. Uh, the Boston Red Sox came down, came from behind three games to zero against the New York Yankees, went on to win the World Series. <laughs> Lance Armstrong won his sixth straight uh, Tour de France. Let's see what else. Um, I graduated high school. Wow. In 2004. <laughs> wow. You know what? Actually, I'm just going to stop right there. I don't think I can top that one. Yeah. So, uh, that's a long bad. time ago. So we look forward to Georgia this week um, in Athens. We have not beat Georgia in Athens since 2006. So a chance to so break another streak. A chance to break another streak. Uh, we are depleted on defense. Cam Sutton, preseason, All-SEC. Jalen Reeves-Maven, preseason, All-SEC. Or, or Cam Sutton's definitely out. Reeves-Maven's questionable. Um, so, But it looks like Chubb's going to be questionable as far as Georgia's concerned, and they obviously didn't look good last week against Ole Miss. I think they're so, fraudulent, man. I, I think, think they're, they're fraudulent too, but with such a huge game and a huge win like that, and Texas A&M and Alabama looming, both top ten teams. I know Georgia's still ranked 25th or something. I don't know how. Um, but it's just you'd like to believe that the team won't overlook anybody. But, hey, we'll see. So, um, I remember the Tennessee-Georgia game last year, which was very similar to the Tennessee-Florida game this year. Smoky gray uniforms came back from 21 down. So, I know Georgia's probably got a chip on their shoulder. Um, ready to uh, ready to get some revenge there. So. Yeah, and they got smoked, so they're going to be looking to, yeah. to turn that around. Uh, Ole Miss finally held on to a lead. Yep. Um, a name to watch from uh, the Georgia perspective, obviously offensively, Jacob Eason, um, young quarterback, still learning. Isaiah McKenzie, mm. who is a dynamic receiver, and yep. obviously Nick Chubb. So a couple of names on offense to watch there in that matchup. And it's like I said, it's going to be a fun one, going to be a fun one. Um, so, also, while we're talking about Tennessee, uh, I we, we talked about this. And, over the again, we talked about this stretch of four games, you know, Florida, Georgia, A&M, which A&M, it looks like they might be really good this yeah. year. Uh, defensively, John Chavis has those boys. You know, that's going to be a really big challenge. Is that at A&M? At A&M. Ooh, ooh, so that's going to be a big yeah. one. Yeah. Gonna Trevor be Knight one. is looked really good. Looked really good, yeah. I did not realize he was that quick. Like, I mean, he – He's actually pretty fast, you know. Deceptive speed. Yeah, I don't know if it just made Arkansas just very, very slow or what, but he has very deceptive speeds. So. Well, I mean that play before a half where he kind of goes on the scramble mm-hmm. and he's running away from everybody. Yeah. Yeah, so um, but so those th- are the next – so Florida last week, Georgia this week, A&M next week, and then uh, two weeks from now, Alabama. So what I'm proposing is if – Tennessee makes it through the next three weeks uh, undefeated, or if they only have one loss mm-hmm. on the resume, and maybe two, you know, we'll see. Uh, if they can make it with at least one loss between now and the Alabama game, I am proposing that A Ward takes over the at Brains and Bars Twitter account and that he live tweets his reactions to the game against um, Alabama. Against Alabama. We can go to a sports bar. Go somewhere. We can come to your house. It doesn't matter, but we will we will gather together, and we will either uh, it's going to be torturous for him. So oh, I, it's going to be torturous. <laughs> so it's going to be euphoric and torturous at the same time. You know, so it's going to be it's going to be a a interesting thing to watch. We're going to maybe Facebook live it. I might even create a if. Snapchat 
it's a close game going into the fourth quarter. We should definitely Facebook live it. Really? We gotta get we gotta get live reactions. Okay, it, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Yeah. All right. So I wish we could have got live reactions of Tennessee, Florida. Yeah, because we were we were watch. I was watching your timeline as you tweeted. Oh and it man, was interesting. So you know, again, we will we will that will be something to watch. Um, so again, if that happens, I need you guys to go on Twitter, follow the at Brands and Bars Twitter account because he will take it over um, for that time. I'm normally the one who tweets from it, so most of the tweets you see will be from me. Uh, but he will take it over, and he will have at it. Like I said, we'll snap, even create a Snapchat for the show yep. just so we can get his reactions to things in real time. So keep following us, keep watching, and this is an opportunity for you to root on Tennessee. If you want to see, see A-Warp meltdown, you want to see Tennessee meltdown, root for them for the next two weeks, <laughs> and then you can root for them to meltdown in that third week against <laughs> Alabama. So something to watch. <laughs> Please. Um, Across college football, a couple other matchups want to hit quickly. This weekend, this is probably the, the matchup of the weekend. Yep. Third-ranked Louisville goes into Death Valley to take on fifth-ranked Clemson. Uh, this is like like the third or fourth time in like their history of Clemson where they have like two top five teams facing off in Death Valley. Huge matchup. Um, I don't I don't I don't know who to choose in this game or who to pick to win this game. Um, it's kind of hard right now looking at what Louisville has, has been doing to teams, especially what they did to Florida State, um, to see I, – I, I anticipate, I guess, them continuing to win. But at some point, the the high-powered offense has a game where they fall back to earth. And yeah. I'm wondering, is this going to be it against Clemson? Well, I think it's just – I think it's – first off, I think Clemson as an underdog at home. Like, they are the underdog in this game, mind you. They're ranked higher – than Louisville. No, Louisville's three. What's Clemson? Five. Oh, I thought it was flip-flop. Okay. No, well, no. Oh, well, that makes a little bit more sense. But Clemson is the underdog at home um, by, I think, three and a half. Oh, so that's almost a toss-up game. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then you have Clemson as a number three defense in the nation against Louisville's number one offense in the nation. So there's even more, um, you know, kind of the defense against offense type grudge match going on. And then you got Petrino and Sweeney. Right? Yep. So, I'm going to go home field and coaching. I take Sweeney over Petrino. Interesting. Um, I think Petrino can really coach. Though. I think he can. Um, but I'm just I, – I, I'm going to take Clemson by a touchdown, actually. Uh, so, I don't I, – I, I foresee Clemson getting the win, even though it does scare me that Auburn played them that close. Yeah, but Auburn has some monsters on the defensive line, too. Yeah, they do. I mean, Carl Lawson is – Pretty darn good. But LaMarvelous Jackson, I think that's what they started to call him. LaMarvelous, <laughs> um, that's LaMarvelous Jackson um, is very impressive to watch. Definitely going to be tuned into that game. Yeah, I think final thought on that game is I want to watch the offense of Clemson. Clemson and Deshaun Watson have not been the same Clemson and Deshaun Watson from last year. Mm -mm. Um, his yards per attempt, uh, I think, went from 8.4 to 6.6 so far this year. Um, he hasn't thrown for over a thousand yards yet, which last year he had exceeded that by like game three, mm -hmm. um, two or three. So, uh, you know, it's well, it'd be interesting to watch if the offense can get itself together. Because even against Georgia Tech, like the offense wasn't, it didn't look great. It was just okay. Yeah. Um, because they Georgia, only put up twenty. I think twenty six points. I think it was twenty six to ten was yeah. the final score. So three touchdowns. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. You know, so I mean they 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 haven't been performing up to expectations for whatever reasons. 
Um, and they still have talent. Mike Williams, I believe his name is Mike Williams. Yeah, the wide Wayne receiver. Wayne Gallman, yeah. yeah. Wayne Gallman. Is Gallman still, hasn't shown up at all yet this year. Yeah, and so they, the talent's there. I know the offensive line is kind of, I think, is under construction. But mm-hmm. it's going to be a great matchup. Um, jumping into the Big 12 action, not a lot of compelling uh, games. But Oklahoma versus TCU is one I wanted to look at real quick just because Oklahoma in their two biggest games have basically, basically laid eggs. TCU, 2-1, and one, they lost a heartbreaker to Arkansas yep. in overtime. And this is a big game for Oklahoma because this is this will show where, the, where their season is going to go. You had championship expectations. You lost your two biggest games. Now you have a chance to at least win a Big 12 championship, which won't mean as much without the playoff. But, you know, you still – team, you're still going to have that target on your back because you're the reigning Big 12 champion. Right. Well, uh, TCU's underdog um, – to the one and two Oklahoma and TCU's at home, so which is uh, I I thought was pretty pretty um, shocking to myself. But Oklahoma also has the Red River rivalry coming next week. Um, granted, I don't think when you're one and two you can overlook opponents. I think Oklahoma is probably geared up for every game. Um, but um, but I do I do think that this is a very important game for Oklahoma. You go one and three. And you're going in to play Texas next week. As big as that rivalry is, the idea of you being one and four to start the season, like Texas is going to – I mean, they will love every minute of stomping you into the ground. And um, and so I think Oklahoma um, will definitely will definitely come out and, and play well. I think that they beat TCU pretty easily. You know what? I don't – I have a feeling TCU wins this game. I don't know why. Really? But I'm on a roll with Kenny Hill. I'm on a roll with Kenny Hill. Um yeah, yeah, I think TCU wins. I have no reason to believe that that Oklahoma can't or won't win, but I'm just going to roll with TCU. Just hunch. Hmm. Okay, all right. I, I can dig it. Well, what about this Big Ten matchup? Because Ten. I honestly still think this team is a fraud. Wisconsin? Yes. I do, too. Okay. I do, too. I don't think they're very good. I don't Even think after that win against Michigan State? Well, I, Michigan State were frauds. Just yeah. because they, they beat up on a terrible – Terrible coordinator who's since been released, um, and Brian Van Gorder with Notre Dame. Um, you know they were exposed against Wisconsin. I do think Wisconsin's defense is for real. Mm-hmm. I don't trust their offense. So maybe I shouldn't call them frauds as a team, but I just don't. I don't believe in their offense. Yeah. I don't think uh, Corey Clement's been banged up. Mm-hmm. He's their best running back. Um, I know they made the switch uh, in QB from Houston to I can't think of the young man's name. He's a redshirt freshman. Uh, starts with H. Holbrook, uh, Holbrook, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, I I don't believe in them. I, I yeah. want to, but I just don't. So well, we're not alone. They're a double digit underdog, Ooh. um, and it's a top ten matchup, right? So it's four and eight, I believe. They're mm-hmm. ten and a half dog. Um, it's the first game Wisconsin has actually played Michigan since two thousand and ten. Um, they right. their schedules haven't had them meet. And the last time they played, the aforementioned Monte Ball. Ran Michigan ragged, um, but we won't get into the Wisconsin busts in the NFL at running back. Um, but I, I think Michigan wins this one big. Yeah, man, their defense. I would take Michigan at ten and a half. Like, yeah, their defense, entertainment purposes only. Um, their entertainment defense. purposes only. <laughs> Sorry, their defense is really good. Speaking Michigan's defense, um, Jabril Peppers. Is kind of all over the place. First off, have you seen the you seen the video of Jabril Peppers not blocking the the kicker or the punter? No. Oh, and you didn't see the tweet either, right? No. So I'm 
pretty sure it's a punt. And uh, the punt returner for Michigan, gosh, I can't recall his name. Anyway, he catches the catches the ball, and Jabril Peppers is the lead block for him, right? And I'm dead serious. The punter for Penn State yeah. runs right by Jabril Peppers and lays the dude out, right? <laughs> Like I can't believe you haven't seen this. No, I cannot I believe you haven't seen this. Well, the guy that re- that caught the punt tweets. I guess Jabril Peppers is out here making business decisions on the field and not looking <laughs> out for. <laughs> Yo, but it's so funny when you go back and watch it. I watched the vine like twenty times, and Jabril Peppers looks lost out there as a blocker. <laughs> and he just because he's used to having the ball in his hands. He's oh, like, look, I'm the, I'm the star. You're supposed to be blocking for me. Like I don't I don't. Oh, wow, it was so funny. I'm looking man. at. Oh, that's the. Big dude, the too. big dude. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when I tell you, man, Jabril Peppers is the lead block. <laughs> Hold up, I'm about to watch this vine real quick. It is hilarious. Now, if you don't know Jabril Peppers, Jabril Peppers has been, I think, it's almost a two-way star. Um, yeah. he is just uh, middle linebacker, safety. He's playing two or three wide different receiver. positions on defense. Uh, Jabril, wide receiver. this is this is terrible. It's terrible. Well, I mean. 99 for uh for Penn State. He's like my size out here. Yeah. <laughs> On this kick return. <laughs> and the guy tweets, Jabril Peppers is making business decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. Like, you I know mean, what? I'm going to drafted guys, next. <laughs> right. To give you guys kind of um a little bit of a comparison here, this looks like a smaller version of maybe Ron Dane. Sebastian Janikowski. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wheels. A smaller version of Sebastian Janikowski running down the field, and Jabril Peppers is like, um, no thanks. <laughs> uh, Dexter McCluster. I'm trying to think of a more of a smaller guy. DeAnthony Thomas, right? Yeah. Remember, if you remember DeAnthony Thomas from his Oregon days, he's bigger than DeAnthony, obviously, but in comparison size wise, this is hilarious. Wow. I watched it over and over and over. <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you. I think Michigan wins big. Um, maybe by two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Pac-12 going to end, end our college football coverage. Pac-12, uh, big game, big, big game. game. Stanford versus Washington, and unnoticed, Washington, undefeated, top ten. Mm-hmm. Chris Peterson has come from Boise State, and Kawhi has built a really good defense. Um, he has a quarterback, Jake Browning. They they had a really close game with the team we're going to end our football coverage, our college football coverage with. Uh, but big game against Washington in uh, – not Pullman, they're in Seattle. Uh, big game in Seattle. Uh, I think it's a night game yep, it's a between night game. Stanford. I am leaning towards Washington simply because I feel like in college football, quarterback play, while it's not everything, I look at quarterback play being a bigger factor in college than in the pros. Yeah. Um, because if you're not Alabama and you don't have a – NFL caliber offense and defensive line, it all comes down to can your quarterback make the plays. Right. I think his name is Ryan Burns. Uh, he's been a little you know, high, you know, yeah. not great. Uh, Christian McCaffrey obviously is going to be great, but I think the Washington's defense gets it done. Jake Browning, I think, will, will, will carry the load for Washington offensively and they get the win. I think Washington wins too. The injury bug has killed Stanford. They're actually without two starting defensive backs. Both of their starting defensive backs are gone too. Nice. So that will attribute even more to the whole quarterback conversation. When you're losing two of your starting defensive backs and I believe a safety as well. Um but uh but yeah, Washington's a three and a half point favorite at home, which kind of gives you the toss up mentality as well. But 
Um, obviously, the polarizing name there is Christian McCaffrey, but I don't think he can do it himself, especially with, like you said, the defense that Washington's built. And I will take Washington, too, even after last week's performance. They needed overtime to beat the Bear Down Arizona Wildcats. Yep. Um, yep. I still think Washington and Chris Peterson bounce back and actually upset Stanford. So, so while we – as we sh- move on to our final uh, matchup that we'll kind of preview mm-hmm. really quickly, uh, shout-out to Andrew Whitus. Whitus, yep. Yep. Um, he – we posted on Saturday – Again, the predictions for Stan or Stanford for Tennessee and Florida. He says he's a Pac-12 guy. I asked him, okay, who do you follow? He said, I follow Arizona. I said, cool, we got you. Um, again, we're here for the people. We're the people's podcast. So yes. <laughs> if you have a team that you would like us to preview or watch or check out and look out for, just hit us up, man. Hit us up, and we will watch out for your team. So Arizona took on Washington this weekend, as a ward alluded to, went to overtime, had a heartbreaking loss, a chance to – I don't. I want to say put them on the map, but at least give them a signa- one of their signature wins for right. the season. Now, I'm from Louisiana originally, and the first time Arizona came into my consciousness this year, they took on Grambling State. Mm. Uh, Grambling State is about probably about an hour and a half to two hours from where I, I'm from, and they were at halftime. Grambling State was up 21 to three. Now, this is a historically black college um, that plays in Division the FCS in right. the SWAC conference a southwestern athletic conference right so this isn't some like this isn't like north dakota state State. it's not north dakota state State. right you know it's not even like georgia state like georgia state has fielded some good teams over the last couple of years this is a small black college right and they were up 21 to 3 they ended up arizona second half they scored 28 unanswered they win 31 21 um and so looking at their team a new solomon who's been there he's a red shirt sophomore has Mm -hmm. been their starter he's dealing with injuries when he has played, he hasn't been very effective. Brandon Dawkins, which is a name that is familiar to me because Notre Dame uh, had a little bit of a fling with Brandon Dawkins recruiting-wise. He really wanted to go there. I believe he actually talked about an offer that actually wasn't with them. Um, but Notre Dame did show some interest. It faded down this line, and he ends up signing with Arizona. He showed some promise. Um, he obviously shows, showed them some things offensively in that game uh, against Washington. Um, and I believe that they can win this game um, against UCLA. Um, I like Josh Rosen. Obviously, he struggled. You know, he's been very outspoken about things, about inequalities uh, in society, especially mm-hmm. players getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I like UCLA's defense, um, led by another former Notre Dame recruit, or actually he committed, Eddie Vanderdose. Uh, got some NFL buzz behind okay. him. Okay. Uh, but you know they, I just think that Arizona gets it done. They're both two and two. Uh, this is a huge game for UCLA because Jim Moore. I want to talk about hot seat. Right. He's on the warmer. Yes, he loses this game, and I think that he goes on, on that from that warmer into the hot seat. Very so much. So. I want to take Arizona to pull the upset. I think Arizona has to pull the upset. You said this is a huge game for UCLA. It's a huge game for Arizona too. After UCLA, they get Utah, and Ooh. then they get uh, USC. And let's see, who was the other team? I have it right here. Uh, okay, no, so it's UCLA, Utah, and U.S. Oh, uh, Stanford. So they go, yeah, they they go wow. Utah, USC, Stanford after UCLA. Yeah. Um, they lost. A, it was a bad loss. They took a bad loss to BYU at the beginning of the year. 
Um, now, granted, I think it was 16-13, 16-14, something like that. And then you lose in overtime to Washington. You hate to say if and but, you know, this team right. could be undefeated. Right. I mean, very well could be an undefeated team going into UCLA, um, but they're not. And since they are um, one and two, right, one and two or two and two? No, two, and two, two and two. Since two they and two. Are, um, two and, yeah, two and two. Um, and they have this UCLA, Utah, USC, Stanford. I mean, the – it could be the straw that breaks. I mean, this could go downhill pretty quick. Right, right, so especially with that schedule. They did gash Washington's defense, who we just highly touted. I mean, they gashed Washington's defense in the first half last year. So, I like to think maybe they've got, you know, some chemistry, got the ball rolling. Um, but like you said, Andrew White has asked us to kind of, you know, talk a little bit about them. Um, and actually, I think one of my homies uh, that battle raps, Prophecy, he jumped in there too and hashtag bear down. So, I'm not sure if he's a, a – a a fan of Arizona as well, but he did jump on the comment thread and hashtag it. Um, uh, so shout out to him. But um, I don't know that I could c- confidently pick Arizona to beat UCLA, but I will say that I'm rooting for Arizona to beat UCLA. Um, so we'll we'll see how it goes. But yeah. So fellas, there's your quick Arizona preview. Yep. Bear down. Bear down. And good luck to your squad this weekend. And again. If you got a squad you want us to take a look at, man, hit us up, and we will definitely do that. We're here for you guys. We're <laughs> for the people. Now, I don't know how well this is going to go over, but I thought of this. And you know how sometimes I think of stuff, and it's, like, really kind of funny. Most of the time it's it's just a little bit funny, but I think it's really funny. And sometimes it's just like, no, we're not going to do that, Aaron. But I was thinking of games under the radar. Since we have these these huge college football games that are going on right now, like, what are some games under the radar, right? And so then I was trying to come up with an acronym for games under the radar because that's the kind of person I am. And then I thought, Gunther. Games under the radar, <laughs> all right? And I'm a Friends fan, right? I'm a fan of Friends. So why not name um, a, 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 a small segment of this show right now? But – I did want to say that I think Oklahoma State and Texas and Memphis and Ole Miss are two big, 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 big games that are going to fly under the radar this week because of these top ten matchups. Oklahoma State, Texas, Ole Miss, Memphis. So, so is that two Gunthers then? Is that is Gunthers. that how we is that how we talk about them? Yeah. The, the G- two Gunthers. U N T H E games under the radar are a Gunther. <laughs> I mean, like. I mean, wh- it's a work in progress. It's, yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a work in progress. No. <laughs> Although we may have to call them Gunthers now to embarrass, like, how the battle rap guy just came up with they just one of the worst analogies for games under the radar ever. 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 So we might have to call them Gunthers. This just is what happens when I actually start studying for podcasts, man. I just start thinking. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that concludes with the Gunthers. Thank you for listening to It's a Black and White Thing. You can listen to this and all other episodes at soundcloud.com forward slash brains and bars.